Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This is Eric. This is Brittany. And um, this is for Colored Nerds. Welcome. Welcome back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Big shit popping. Big shit popping. Little shit stop. No shit actually stopping me. Nothing. Yeah. 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 Oh, two, two zero one five. This is a year. Yeah. Happening in six. You say what? Happening in six. I was just happening like, that's what uh, Drake says all the time. Oh. He's trying to make it happen. I'm trying to be the one person that support him because everybody played him. I don't play Drake. I, I support him. But you don't say the six at all. No, you're right. Okay. <laughs> All right, but okay, anyway, okay. So welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, a lot of lot of stuff's been going on. Eric, do you want to share some of oh, thanks. recent news? Thanks for bringing that up. I just uh, wanted to give you a good assist. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I'm excited because I just uh, convinced a nice, beautiful young lady to uh, nice to to marry me. I guess that's the best way to say it. And I mean, I speak. I think on behalf of everybody. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Big ups to me. I'm really excited. You need I, like a, a clapping sound. I know. Well, I want, you know, pew, 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 yeah. uh, you know, like an air horn kind of club noise. Yeah, we'll have that next saying? time. Yeah. Some DJ drops. Yeah, 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 exactly. Maybach music. But, no, that's exciting, especially, like, honestly, like, I'm just excited because I feel like you, as much as I care about you, you've been saved from, like, a lifetime <laughs> of going through, like, the bargain bin at Uniqlo looking for a drop crotch sweatpants. And like accusing random people of having eaten your chips. I mean, the, like, the thing is, safe. I I can't I can't necessarily argue with that. <laughs> so I'm glad. That's the scary. I'm thing. I'm glad you got scooped up. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm glad I got I got chose. You know, very you proud. Got chose permanent. So, yeah, permanent. The chose. The you ultimate got the chose. chose. The ultimate. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so it's gonna be a good year. It is gonna be a really good year. It's gonna be a good year for for colored nerds too. It's gonna be a really good year. We got for a lot of nerds. stuff in the mix. We do. We actually have a lot of stuff in the mix. We're yeah. mixing right now. We, yeah. The mix. I don't know if that's like a thing. I don't know if that's a thing either. That's cool. Uh, but today, today, what are we talking about today? Today, we're actually gonna talk about black mental health. Yes. Yes. That sounds like black so folks. clinical, but it's yeah, important. I mean, kind of is clinical, yeah. but it is very, very, very important. Actually. This episode has been on my spirit for about, I guess, a month. At the very end of last year in December, one of the co-founders of Miss Jessie's natural hair care products, T.T. Branch, uh, died of suicide, I think, at 45 years old. Wow. Yeah. And um, and Miss Jessie is, like, is big. Like, I, you know, obviously Jessie's I don't huge. only use Murray's, but um, <laughs> you know. I don't have a need for much else. Nope. But I've heard of Miss Jessie's as like being one of, like up there with like Carol's daughter. Yeah, like I don't use their products anymore because they just don't necessarily work with my hair. But they were one of the first brands that was really like available, stylish, well packaged, you know, smelled nice, and at least could get my hair to do something other than whatever I was using from the drugstore or the you know beauty supply. So Miss Jessie's is huge. They had salons, I think multiple salons. Their products are in Target. They are in, wow. I think maybe even also 
like Dwayne Reed and stuff like that. They're huge, huge, huge. And she started it with uh, her sister. Mm-hmm. TT started the company with her sister Miko. I think they're, I think they were either black and Korean or black and Japanese. And you know, when you, once you get multiple ethnicities in there or any type of curl period, it can be yeah. a challenge to find suitable hair care products for you. So also from what I heard, like she, she was a wonderful woman to work with and work for. And the loss was felt, you know, not just throughout like the. I guess the quote-unquote natural hair community, but I think black folks in general kind of knew who they were, uh, the sisters. And, and, you know, when I heard about TT's passing, actually one of the better, I guess, obituaries or reports about it was mm-hmm. actually by a friend of the show, Sarai Nadia McDonald of Washington Post. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, and um, so I read that. It gave me some background, uh, but it just sort of weighed heavily on my mind that we hadn't actually talked about this topic yet. And I wanted to do a show about it, and actually I wanting to talk about my own I guess like struggles or adventures or let's say journey with mental health and like yeah. working with a therapist but I was actually nervous to talk about it like on be like I was nervous to talk like to admit to people that I see a therapist but then I realized that if I kept that to myself that was not going to be helpful it, yeah I mean that's like half the issue right there exactly like there yeah. I mean when you reach out to me about it I mean they're is some trepidation from I mean my own situations, which you know about, mm-hmm. of um, of even trying to find a therapist. Like yeah. I, I'm not in a situation where I'm seeing one yet. I want to be, but uh, there have even been a lot of challenges around locating someone who I feel like is going to be um, the right fit. Fit, yeah. No, absolutely, because it's not. It's. I mean, I always am using. I feel so corny for saying this because I sound like Carrie Bradshaw when I say this, but I'm always actually using dating metaphors to describe every situation in life: finding a job, finding an apartment, yeah. finding a therapist. Like it's a marriage. This is somebody who is seeing you through the ugliest of the ugly, yeah, and knows everything. Yeah, and even just like not just seeing you in that position, but you feeling comfortable to mm-hmm. give them that. Exactly, exactly. And also, too, if they see you for long enough and you develop enough of a, a good... Rapport. Like, yeah, rapport and, like, client, um, like, service provider relationship, then they can know stuff about you before you even say it. So sometimes, you, like, sometimes I'll come and I'll see my therapist and I'm, like, redacted because I'm not going to say her name because <laughs> I don't want to put her on blast like that. Got to protect the, the gotta names protect, of the innocent. Yeah, I got to protect the innocent <laughs> shit. God, the way I come in there and see her every damn week gotta protect the innocent i just some of the shit she hears i put her through so much but um i'm like redacted you know xyz this is my big confession and so she just looks at me and she's just like okay (laughs) she finds a really nice professional way to say like i knew that but okay thank you for telling me like thanks for the newsflash appreciate it but yeah this is a relationship that you're really in and that need requires a lot of honesty and trust and, um, you know, looking for someone who's a good fit is not something that you can take lightly at all. Yeah. And, I mean, I think even before we, you know, kind of go into those details, because there's a lot just within finding finding someone who can provide adequate care to us. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, but before that, I think there's a lot that goes into kind of why, the whys of why we need more um, awareness and support in absolutely, this area. Absolutely. Well, recent Surgeon General's report on mental health noted that the needs of minority, like racial ethnic groups, remain largely unmet in the realm of mental health. I mean, that's due to many different factors. We have, you know, stigma keeping people from even seeking treatment in the first place. And then we also have, you know, stigma keeping people who, even people who have access, yeah. you know what I mean, from being able to have 
the gall or the bravery to pick up the phone or look on the internet to see who their provider might be. Yeah. Um, I mean, I even want to like stop you there. Like to talk about the stigma a bit more. Like, I mean, I mean, I think this goes into kind of even my situation. Like you didn't, and this isn't, this isn't new at all. Like this is kind of what the problem is. Yeah. But in my family, you didn't, you didn't go there. No, you didn't, you didn't go like, cause we didn't, we didn't need it. You yeah, know, like because, we yeah, are Jesus or, Tea, yeah, you sweet. go to the ark, you go to the altar, exactly, and uh, you know you talk to Jesus mm-hmm. or you talk to you know your your grandmother, grandmother like my dear sister, big mama, mom or whoever or it might yeah. be. But yeah, so you just don't, you just didn't really, you just didn't really do that. Mm-hmm. And if you did, it wasn't really like talked about. No, it's something that even like it's very interesting to tell everybody that I see a therapist now because anybody who's in my life knows. Yeah, you, I mean, you're I pretty open say, about it. I was going to say, I'm usually pretty open about it. Like, you know the day of the week. Yeah. Everybody knows <laughs> what time. time. It's a no, flat, no flex zone, okay? Yeah. Me and Redacted got a, spe- a specific day, a specific few set of hours. Because I actually even, like, I get off work at, like, 6. My therapist, like, my appointment is at 7.30. Because I like to make sure I have enough cushion time so when I go in there, I'm not bringing stress and drama mm-hmm. or anything like that. And actually, typically I'll do something afterward. To kind of like decompress Because you know Sometimes you talk about heavy shit Like fortunately She's located by Italy So I'm actually really well Like intimately Like you know I'm intimately acquainted With the cured meat section Of Italy Because I often go by there After I got therapy They got some good shit For under six (laughs) dollars But um (laughs) But no I mean you're pretty open With like you know Talking about that And I think that's You know that's kind of That's ahead of the curve Because like it's still You know it's still Very much um, there's still stigma. There's still this kind of preconceived notion that if you're going to a therapist or you're Absolutely. going to a psychiatrist or a psychologist, that there's something wrong, wrong with, with you. you. Yeah, and even like it, it, within my immediate, my extended family, it, I don't really think it's ever really talked about at all. But in my immediate family, my mother was a social worker growing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was something that was like I always knew as an option. Yeah. And then as I've gotten older, and especially not even just like being friends with people, but dating specifically, dating black men. Yeah only for the past like you know 10 years of my life or whatever i always managed to halt in the dating process before mentioning that this is something that i do there are people who dated me for months and never even known that i was seeing someone or when it happened or anything like that it's just like if they want to go out on a certain night of the week i'm like uh no i got work uh no i got blah 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 just because like i was comfortable with it you know among people that i know and like trust and already care about and around my family but other people I was so nervous for their reaction that I didn't even want to tell them because I was ashamed. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense because people who have, and we don't want to say like, even if you do have, a lot of times people's stigma is just from largely from a kind of a lack of awareness, a lack of Mm -hmm. knowledge in it. But when you meet somebody who does have that perception of like therapy or something like that, it's Mm -hmm. usually very deep too. And it's interesting often because it often just ignores the things that they could even like benefit from Absolutely. by participating in that same type of relationship. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like one of the things that I, I think I always found interesting growing up is like I saw a therapist when I was when I was uh, like fourteen, fifteen, mm-hmm. and it was always kind of like wait for how long? For a very short time. It was like uh, maybe eight months. Oh, you did good. I went on one visit when I was sixteen. Yeah. Well, my mom. <laughs> I mean, this is funny. This is putting all my business out there, but. <laughs> Literally, so I was kind of a like, I mean, puberty happened, and like, every, like I was just like mad, you know, I was typical like black yeah. teenager. I was mad though. Typical teenager. Fucking period. world. 
Yeah. Like, I, I hated everybody, everything. So I wasn't talking to anybody. Like, I, you know, I had my friends and stuff. But I wasn't really communicating with my mom, you know, or my dad that much in general. And, like, um, you know, my dad and I had had issues for a long time. So one day I was like, Mom, I don't want to go to school. <clears throat> I just don't feel well. She was like, cool. And I was like, what? I was like, what? Oh, I was like, what do you mean? She hit you with the okie doke. She, so she was like, yeah, you just stay back. You can come run some errands with me. And so, literally, so, like, we're, we get in the car, and, like, she's driving in the direction of Steinmart, and, like, you know, Steinmart's, like, Berlin to Co-Factory, that's, like, where you go It's, like, for, in a cross between, like, TJ Maxx, too. Yeah, Steinmart it's, like, where you go for, the, for me to be. like, the discount, you know, fresh joints of, like, you know, some, some broke polo. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I'm real the happy. United States Polo Association, Association at that right, time, okay. let's be honest. Yeah, go ahead. So... I'm real hype because we're. I'm thinking we're going to Steinmart. I'm like, yo, she about to buy me some clothes too. I have to go to. I have to go to school. I don't even. I don't even have to, to get pretend. The you to yeah, like I don't have to pretend I'm sick. Like this is like the best day ever. Yeah, you. are too old to be falling for that jig at fifteen. I, but I fell for it, and literally, so we we drive right past Steinmart. I'm like, oh, hmm, okay, that's odd. And <laughs> she drives me to this office, and like we go to the doctor's office. She's like, I know we're not talking that much. And that's cool, but talk to this guy. Your mom is for real. She, I mean, she got me at the, at the time. I was like really, really mad. I did the typical, and it's crazy because you see this in movies now. And you're like, you know, there's like the the child goes to the therapist, and initially they don't talk. Yeah. And he's like, well, you don't have to talk. I'll just sit here with you. <laughs> and then you know, like five minutes later, they're like, well, I don't want to talk no way because I'm mad at everybody. And then they're like, well, why, why are, are you mad? mad? <laughs> Tell us why you met. Yeah, like, and literally that was kind of the situation, and mm-hmm. it ended up, you know, I eventually got very comfortable with the uh, the therapist I went to see, and he was he was like a great guy, and like we ended up talking through a lot of stuff that I I didn't realize. Like, I just thought I was mad at everything because everything deserved to have anger and yeah. you know rage in directed directed yeah. toward it. But you know, I really was able to kind of process and work through a lot of those things. So I'm really happy that she, you know, kind of pushed me in that direction. But interestingly enough, we never, like, beyond me going every week, we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about the fact that I went. Interesting. And, like, everybody knew that I went. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, it was like, I felt, my my family felt slightly above the curve because, you know, it wasn't looked down upon because I was there. But we never really addressed the fact that this is something that was happening. And I don't even know if, you know, now I think about, like, well, is it something even really that needs to be addressed? Because it mm-hmm. is a it's a normal thing. It is a normal thing. But it was always a very kind of like, not hush-hush intentionally, but it was mm-hmm. just kind of like, oh, it's that thing that, that, that it, happens. That happens. Yeah, it was weird. So, like, I mean, I just think, you know, I didn't want to linger too long on this stigma thing, but that's something that's been going on for generations in terms of our community. Yes. Well, you know, also, I think even outside of, there's a stigma even outside of our community about therapy. Like, I don't yeah. necessarily think that any it's other exclusive. racial group. Yeah, it's, I don't think it's exclusive to us. But I do think that the default position for black people in America and in the world um, is that we are inherently flawed. And that if your basic functioning, if you just can't, if you're sad all the time or if you're stressed or if you're, you know, unreasonably angry or, you know, depressed, then that, you know, if that's already a flaw for everybody else, we don't want any more flaws. It's almost like not respectability politics, but just the idea that just that we are just broken by default. So you don't necessarily want to add anything 
to that. Yeah. And then also you add in like a reasonable distrust for the medical know, profession. The medical profession. Yeah. Um, so if you don't know what we're talking about, just Google medical testing in black people and yeah. just have at. But yeah, that, it makes sense that if you add in that, like, there's something wrong with me internally that's, that can't be fixed physiologically yeah. necessarily, that can be talked about with somebody. It has to do with my emotions. Yeah. Like, that's already rough for people to deal with in general. And then you add to that fact that you're black. And then on top of that, um, add in the fact that the person who needs to see you is a licensed professional that's not going to use a scalpel or like a stethoscope. Yeah, or or have like a quick solution. That was my that was like mm. that was always the thing that I, that that threw me. It's like so I'm going to see you for indefinitely. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, like that's actually something I've noticed in general with any men that I've met who go to therapy. They'll generally go like once or twice. I wish I was kidding. They'll generally go once or twice. And they'll be like, well, I decided to stop. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Why? Because I'm thinking, like, I go every week. And every week I feel like I'm gobsmacked by some bullshit that I've been doing for the past 27 fucking years. Yeah. <laughs> that has been tripping me up repeatedly all of the time in every area of my life. So I'm like, oh, well, please give me the shortcut. I would love to have the cheat codes to being able to, like, not have to be, like, <laughs> go to therapy anymore. But, yeah, they're like, oh, you know, I figured everything out. Yeah, I talked about everything I need to talk about. They're like, so everything's pretty much fixed. And I'm like, oh, Okay. I think I've noticed men more often than women seem to have this idea that when you go to the doctor for a cold or, you know, they give you something that's going to alleviate the symptoms and then, you know, within a week it's fixed. You go, you don't visit repeatedly for a cold. So they're kind of like, why would I visit repeatedly for this other problem that I'm having? Yeah. I mean, there, there definitely is a, that difficult separation. And I think, you know, some of it probably is a, a lot of, is, is a kind of a masculinity issue of like, you know, we get, temporarily injured we don't have things that we just constantly need help mm -hmm. with you know accepting help recognizing that you might have something that's not necessarily wrong but that you need to continuously address mm -hmm. to make sure that something doesn't go wrong a lot of times doesn't compute and i'm guilty of the same thing um, yeah <laughs> surprise <laughs> gonna get into it but, but yes yeah true. you know so it's it, it is tough i can definitely see where that comes into play but it's one of those things like how do you really start to attack that? Like, you know, get like going mm -hmm. is such a monumental thing in oh, itself. It is. So to, to go and like, I can understand cause you get like a little rush. You're like, yo, I've talked, I, I said it, I got it out. Right. And the fact that you I'm get good. sometimes you just say the thing yeah. is a big deal. So, you know, I can definitely see why that's something that still lingers or it doesn't get us quite over that hump. The other thing that I was thinking about is like, um, or that we were kind of talking about, because mm -hmm. we talked about this a, a bit before, mm -hmm. is like the ex the access part of it. Oh, gosh. So it's like, there may be people that want to go who are over this stigma, yeah. who are like, I want to get my therapy on, I want to get right, mentally, emotionally. They don't have, they don't have insurance, or yeah. they can't, because the other thing is like, not even all insurance covers mental health, because it's not necessarily seen as important, as as, as you know, as important as your physical health. Yeah. So, like, I have mental health care. I think I pay $15 every visit. The insurance that I had growing up, up until a year ago, I got eight free visits a year, and then I paid $15 copay unlimited every single year. So even I have mental health care coverage, but I have sense enough to know that I have some of the best mental health care coverage that you can get. Yeah. So, like, that's if, it, if, if $60 a month is as good as it gets, you know, there are people who don't have any of that type of coverage at all. I think that my out-of-pocket would be $120 a session. Wow. So if you're not insured, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what do you do? I mean, it's a, it's 
it's rough and it's like and that's just i mean honestly even therapy is kind of like when we're talking about access therapy is kind of almost the i don't, I don't want to say the easiest part of that but like if you think about you know people who need consistent and prolonged care mm -hmm. you know beyond just going to see someone you know kind of what therapy is as I mentioned something like outpatient but if i need to if i need someone to consistently come and help me um because i have some prolonged uh mental Condition, like right. yeah mental illness yeah that's expensive that's very expensive very and expensive. our like medical system the way our healthcare system is not built in a way to support people who can't afford to pay for that no you know even if you think about something like rehab oh absolutely oh rehab any inpatient like actually i want to say my insurance does pay for both my insurance growing up and now, I believe, both pay for, um, I think I, I can get like a certain amount of inpatient rehab or inpatient, um, you know, psychological care. But I still know how highly, highly unusual that is. And it's still only so much. I think I may be able to get a month or something like that or a yeah. week or a couple of weeks or something like that. If you need to be institutionalized for longer, you know what I mean? And that's, that's so, 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 so expensive. Or, and that's before we even get into medication yeah. or any other types of um, modifications. Or like nursing assistance or something Ex like that. Exactly. Or even like if you have ADHD, which technically falls into um, like a behavioral, I think, thing. That a behavioral illness or behavioral, I don't know, behavioral condition, let's say. Mm -hmm. I don't know the right terminology. But you have medication for that. A lot of times you have other modifications. Maybe you need to have a tutor. I know sometimes therapists work with life coaches. Maybe you need to have a life coach. Maybe you need to have a certain scheduling app. So it's not even necessarily if you're incapacitated in some way uh, that you need to have you know that type of care. These other costs that are associated with mental health care add up as well. And again, all of those things are like after you go for your like sit down talk therapy session. Yeah, and and it sets up so quick. Like you know I've. I've read stories and articles about how that quickly bankrupts even a family who's trying to care for, Absolutely. you know, um, a, a relative. It just is built to a degree from a from a system standpoint for it almost shouldn't exist. It's built like it should be that issue that can be fixed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. like disregarding the fact that this is so often something that needs prolonged care or prolonged situation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's that's definitely kind of rough. Yeah, so like we that's like we already have like the cost of it and also like being able to access healthcare providers. Also, sometimes it depends on where you live. Yeah. Can you even find a person and then if you have a per if you have people around, like it's just hard to find a therapist in general because like I said, it's a, it's like a marriage. This is not a fling, okay? This is a marriage. This is a long intense relationship. Um, that requires a lot of trust and requires a lot of care and a lot of consistency on both parts. And if you don't have the right fit, then it's not going to work. And not only that, if you're black or if you're a woman or if you are LGBTQ identifying or have anything else that kind of takes you out of the like white, like heterosis male pool, mm -hmm. then you're going to have an extra challenge or added challenges in finding somebody who can care for you adequately. Because, you know, you have you have different, you have a different worldview than, like yeah. I said, that pool that I just referenced. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi, it's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there.
Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. No, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and that actually, you know, directly kind of speaks to what my most recent situation was. You know, I was trying to to, to find a therapist, to find someone. And, yeah, and that, that was really, really challenging because I thought to myself, okay, I'm a, you know, young black man. Mm-hmm. Um, you are. And... Who would I feel the most comfortable talking to? You know, in addition to, you know, thinking about the things that I want to talk about, I was like, you know, I think I might want to see somebody who who looks like me. Yeah. So, you know, I do what I normally do, and I feel really good at this process, which is Googling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like researching what my issue is. And, like, I searched or trying to search to find a therapist who was a black man that's not, uh, you know. Kind of 30s, 40s. Yeah, like 60, who's not 60 plus. Yeah. Was crazy difficult. And we're in New York. And I wasn't even like, I'm not, I wasn't like, I have to find somebody in the sty. Like, I was looking all over the city. And I want to say, if I had to put it in, like, give a total number, I maybe saw like 25. And then, like, as far as like, if I put it in a list, I probably saw like 25, maybe, maybe 30 who fall within that, that range. And then talking about insurance you know like you actually you played a big role in kind of helping me whittle this down i was gonna I say i was like it's interesting because you're talking about all these people that you found because i definitely put together i slapped together why well, do you look first yeah and then i came in and slapped together a spreadsheet because i was like okay we have the same insurance and i was like you know what this is your christmas gift eric <laughs> thank you <laughs> like thank you i was like i'm gonna go through i'm gonna help you do this uh because i've definitely been through that before where you're trying to find somebody who's a good cultural fit it's tough. I saw one white woman once when I was 23, when I was living with my parents still, when I was like back in Farmington Hills. Eric, <sighs> when I tell you, this woman thought that I was like some sort of sassy black character. And she would come in and tell me like who she had seen on a movie or television show who reminded her of me. Wow. And like, she thought that I was like cool and like snazzy and she like wanted to be my friend. I wanted to be like, bitch, I have fucking anxiety. Like you need to give me some care. Like she couldn't also even additionally even understand whatever my relationship issues were yeah. at the time. Because like the old Chris Rock joke, if you're a black woman and a black man, sometimes y'all just ain't gonna get along. 
And she couldn't necessarily even understand the little cultural nuances of that. And it was just difficult. Um, so I remember going, like being in the trenches and being in the trenches and trying to do that. And I was like, you know what, Eric, I'm gonna give you a hand. I thought he was exaggerating when he was talking about how difficult it was to find a black man in his thirties or forties. It was damn near impossible. I think I found five people that were that. Well, the ultimate list was three. It was three. Yeah, and then and the crazy thing about that is insurance. Yeah. Uh, Well, actually, all of them said they would work with my insurance, but one of them only accepted it to the point where I only had to pay the copay. Like everybody else, you had to reimburse. Oh, get reimbursed, which is like if you're seeing somebody every week or, you know, like every week that adds up. Because like you said, you're, you know, the fee is going to be something like that. Right. And then you have to wait for a reimbursement. Yeah. God knows. And that takes like, you know, like six weeks to, you know, a couple months. Yeah. It, it was a it was a difficult situation. Like even understanding how you get from like maybe a twenty five total to like a three, you know, there's the insurance factor. There is also how they provide care, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I never really considered when I was initially starting the search, which is why I got so discouraged. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of when we were talking, is a lot of times I was looking through, and this is not to criticize this type of care, mm-hmm. but a lot of care in our community is provided directly through the lens of religion yes and while i am you know a religious person i've been known to go to church on occasion i was gonna say <laughs> probably I, not as we, much as my no, mom we both went to church uh together like seven eight years ago we saw yeah. cornell west oh yeah that was probably one yeah, of the it was eight years ago uh, that's the only time i went to college okay anyway <laughs> yeah i was about to say my mom's gonna be real disappointed but um i wasn't necessarily looking for not necessarily the solutions to my issues from that lens Mm -hmm. you know so that whittled it down like that cut it in like half yeah and i was i was pretty shocked at that and then then after that like you said you put the you know insurance on it then my making sure there's someone who maybe is not you know like in the bronx yeah um, you know location and yeah it comes down to three and those three ended up not working yes and one of them was still in harlem (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so that was rough. I mean, eventually, luckily, I, I think I found someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm supposed to meet with them, like, in the next, like, two weeks. But that was even still from just me still recounting this this situation mm-hmm. of kind of what we were just talking about mm-hmm. to someone else who um, offered to talk to their therapist to give me a recommendation. Yeah. And, like, if you think about access and you think about the stigma and kind of all the stuff that we've talked about, those types of conversations aren't really happening on a mass scale. Like, no. you know, you, you don't have all the fellas ain't sitting around. <laughs> like, hey, I was with therapy apartment this week. Dude, I can't even find a therapist, man. This shit is hard. It's hard streets. out here. And like, then you kind of give them a little shoulder pad. Yeah, like, oh, I, let me recommend somebody. I'll talk to my person. Like, yeah. and, and, like that's not happening. If Nobody's only it was doing it. like that. finding a barber. True, you can talk to somebody about finding a barber. You walk in any direction in a black neighborhood. You get like, <laughs> you know, two blocks. You're going to run into a barber I mean, you can find a barber. I'm talking about a good barber. Well, you go in the shop. You see who everybody's waiting for. The first guy who's like, oh, I don't have anybody in my chair. You can get in. You yeah, say, exactly. no. Like, no, I'm actually fine. I'm going to wait for everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> wait for this guy. <laughs> That's how you find a good barber. But you can also talk to your friends and, you know, get recommendations. Yeah, get recommendations. But yes, no, you, um, if only it were that easy. I, I mean, I find, we had talked about this a little bit too. It's almost like there aren't as many men, like black men in the, in the profession. Like I have yeah. a black female therapist. She's fucking awesome. Um, and a lot of the black women I know that, that are looking for therapists find black women that are good fits for them. I'm very fortunate in that I'm in New York and that I'm originally from around Detroit and then I went to Howard. So anytime I needed to have a therapist, like when I was living at home, 
or since I've been here when I was in DC, it like wasn't an issue. But even when I wasn't in therapy, there are times when I couldn't for scheduling reasons or whatever it may have been, I still had like social spaces where it was acceptable for me to, to commiserate or to talk about like things that were going on with me emotionally and receive some sort of like caring, thoughtful, measured response from yeah. a friend or a family member, whoever. Like black men, are, it's difficult kind of to find somebody who's going to be a good fit for you as a therapist already but then if you don't get to go to therapy then it can even be more difficult for you to find just some place where you can talk to somebody who is gonna you know hear how you're feeling definitely like i mean that's always been something you know that's been a struggle to be straight <laughs> up like i mean just because of like again how we're you know patriarchy like you're raised to not like you know i remember growing up like you weren't supposed to cry and this was not something you just heard um, you know, as a as a boy growing yeah. up, as a boy, you weren't supposed to cry. You weren't supposed to show weakness, and this wasn't something that you just heard like at home. Like they used to say that to us in school. Yeah, you know, like no, and it, it was a direct contrast too to how you know teachers would talk to uh, mm-hmm. you know young girls um, when that's put into you over and over and over growing up. Yeah, you don't feel like you can communicate with your friends. It you know, like, fa- it becomes part of the fabric of who you are and how you live your life. Exactly. So. You know that all these things kind of build and layer up on what's blocking us from from treating this, and then the thing that kind of affects everybody that we haven't really gotten to mm-hmm. that is like to such a large degree yeah. that it's almost like that that people are still trying to understand the scope, and not just people like you and I. People like researchers, like, re- like yeah, all <laughs> over the world yes. are trying to grasp how racism might be affecting mental health mental illness yeah here's a little tip there was a study done by sociological inquiry in 2013 so a couple years ago on how black people experience both physical and mental effects of racism right basically they tested i think it might have been only black people and white people i don't know if it was people from other ethnic groups i think it was only black people and white people in this particular um study and sort of like measured how their their bodies responded physically and emotionally to racist or racial situations and i think i want to say one to five percent of white people felt any sort of like stress where it was closer to um i think 18 percent of black people that were experiencing i can't remember whether it was physical or mental stress but both of them were much higher than the percentages of white people that experienced stress what is even deeper is that you physically and mentally become distressed as a black person, not just, they found during the study, not just as a result of having experienced like a racist situation or something like that, but from the expectation. So just the stress of knowing that you're going to go into a certain situation and whether or not it's like um, the first time you go into a job interview or something like that, when you don't know whether or not they found out that you're black, you can go into the job interview and be nervous. They're going to find out. They're going to be there to find out. I don't know how they're going to feel. That is mental and emotional and physical distress that you're under. Even if you go into the job interview, it doesn't matter that you're black. Just the fact that you were expecting to experience racism affects you and is detrimental to your health. And I mean, I think the deep, like, I mean, I, I, you sent over that study and it'll be in our like show notes. But this study, how they set it up was actually really cool. I kind of want to come back to it. Cause, so basically what they did was they paired people. It was in the context of a job. Mm-hmm. So they said uh, you would be interviewing with this person based on your job qualifications. They had the people who would be interviewing who were who were all white. They had them write down their thoughts on a variety of like 
racial issues. Mm-hmm. And so some people, they found some people who um, who said like racially insensitive shit. And <laughs> they then gave those answers to the people to the to the people who were black or people of color before they went in to talk with them to read it. So right before I go in to talk with this person who yeah. I'm talking about for within the context of a job, mm-hmm. I read that they don't like black people. They think that black people are lazy mm-hmm. or they think that, you know, like all of these like traditional stereotypes yeah, and the things that you've that, definitely heard before. Yeah, because it's bullshit that we've been fighting forever. And so then you go in there and you you're already like you said, you're on the defensive. You know, they they said it's like basically triggering that fight or flight mentality. Exactly. And so that's just like a job interview is a huge situation. Yes. But that also translates to walking down the street. Exactly. <laughs> and it's very interesting that you bring that up. There was, um, I think I might have shared this with you outside the context of this Marshall Project, I think. I didn't actually get to finish the entire article, but it was about how in our neighborhood. The work stoppage. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, there were, yeah, it was stop and frisk, but there were two cops who were shot and killed a few weeks ago. And I wasn't in town when that happened. You were still in town. Yeah. But I remember being stressed at home because I saw on television, no, I saw on the internet just a, like a little shot, like a little photo of how because the police stations had received death threats or, so, or like something like that, yeah. there were two stations in New York who had an increased police presence. So they had police protecting the police at the police station and I just saw a photo and I was like fuck that's my precinct that's two blocks away from my house which is like what yeah right behind, behind a block behind us block behind you right it stressed me out because that it I can't just I can't describe the, the type of stress it gives you and then just you know the climate and the well you know how, I mean the thing is every like every and 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 this isn't just TV like a lot of this mirrors what happens in real life but like every TV show you watch if a cop gets shot the shit is going down. Yes. Like, like they are going full tilt, zero to 100, to try to catch that person. Yes. And it typically becomes a very special episode of one of the cops. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know that there's a very high chance that you could be suspected for this crime. And mm-hmm. they are already, they're already, like, the shit, there's already stuff that we're dealing with. Yes. And so then on top of that, to have this climate get ratched up. Yes. Like, to the, to the umpteenth degree. Yes. How the fuck are you supposed to feel? We like I was out with my with my fiance and we were like, yeah, we gotta go home. We gotta go home. We gotta be in the house. That's like, right. Y'all were supposed right to go now. out that night. I yeah, we were supposed to go out. All you, I remember texting all you guys and you guys were all like, oh, we're home. No, nope, staying. Home. I, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I would have stayed home. And I was I was already stressed in Michigan as a woman about going back to see what is now. You see it. There's cars outside all the time. There's people with like fucking Uzis basically standing yeah. outside patrolling the police station all the time. There's still floodlights all around the precinct. Oh, all around the precinct. And I know the shooting only happened, what, up Tompkins a couple blocks? Yeah. Tompkins and Myrtle, which is only a couple blocks up from me. Like the, oh, the Marshall Project article was about um, how the response to that sort of the policing has just plummeted yeah. in the area and how all the, all these different black men and Marcy projects were interviewed and they were saying how much better they feel. Now the complications of that, yeah. we're not going to get into the, like the lack of police. There are a lot of dynamics. A lot of dynamics at play, but it was very interesting how they said how much better they felt being in their own neighborhood, knowing that they weren't just going to get stopped for any reason. Or did they need to be on, they didn't need to be on guard. There was one guy who said, you know, I'm not running late anymore. He's, yeah. <laughs> the course reporter was like, well, why are you running late? And he's like, well, I'm getting stopped every single time I go someplace. I'm getting hassled by the police. I lose 10, 15 minutes. Like, 
I'm late and that's where I go. And that's just his life. Yes. So like, it's one of those things where sometimes like I I call I put it under the umbrella of mental illness, but it's so scary because we read another study that was about teenagers how teenagers already in from different ethnic groups, not just black teenagers, but respond to like they experience physical and mental distress as a result of racism. And if it's in teenagers, I'm sure it's probably also present in children, though. I don't know how they can necessarily measure that. Um, But I'm going to take a little guess and reflect on my own suburban childhood in the 90s, which is terrifying sometimes to think about. Just, yeah, being a brown face or a black face in a white place is stressful enough as it is. So to be cognizant of that at such a young age and to grow up with that surveillance, obviously the surveillance in our neighborhood for black men is different than the surveillance that I grew up with, you know, being in the suburbs, but it's still that feeling constantly being watched. And so I call it mental illness, but it's also like your reality is so fucked. Yeah. You know what I mean? The way that people regard you is so fucked that you need sometimes, it's a pity to me that this is so difficult for us to have these in-group conversations about, but you need sometimes to have someone who can understand you to help you make sense of the fact that your everyday life is weird. Like I grew up in a town. I want to say if I look on Wikipedia to me, like sometimes if I go to, you know, Kroger by my parents' house and I see two, three other black people, I remember coming back from home one day and I was like, we live in Africa now because <laughs> I saw three other black people at the grocery store. And now I think by Wikipedia, my hometown is probably still 90% white. Uh, I remember growing up, they always used to feed us this bullshit in school about how diverse our, our county was. They were like, I just love living here because it's so diverse. Yeah. And I remember being like 12 and being like... No, that's some bullshit. Right, that's some <laughs> bullshit. So like have these people, like you feel in your spirit that this shit is weird. Something's afoot. You have all these people around you being like, no, this is fine. It's diverse. This is totally fine. Or like, no, this is fine. Like it's totally acceptable to not police our neighborhood like in addition to the constant feeling of surveillance and then people just gaslighting the shit out of you like gaslighting the shit out of your existence you need someone it's what being black in america is about and you need somebody to help you deal with that yeah it's like i don't even know if i'm necessarily anxious or depressed or mentally ill like how much of that is me physiologically or my brain chemistry and how much of that is just life well i mean that's the thing like you don't know and <laughs> it hasn't really know. been studied in depth there isn't even enough time like people didn't acknowledge that this was that this was something that could be like a factor in you know the overall like disproportionate rates of mental illness in mm-hmm. our community it wasn't like the fact that people weren't like oh this is why yeah <laughs> Is you know is crazy. So like you know now now it's just it's really just starting to kind of coalesce into this consistent conversation. And mm-hmm. I think even consistent conversation is maybe giving yeah a lot of credit. But there are a lot <laughs> of different you know studies and things that are starting to starting take a to look at um, you know how these things might happen and how this actually affects our bodies and how it causes injury and might help to explain a lot of the things that we see. Especially in like urban communities or even, you know, in all types of communities where you have people of color. We're still dealing with this stuff. And it's not just the U.S. It's the mm-hmm. U.K. too. One of, I was actually um, in one of the stories you were you, you shared with me, uh, one of the studies you shared, rather. They had a ton of links at the bottom and I was reading through and they were doing a similar study of how the politics of race 
um, affects different populations within the UK. Mm-hmm. And it largely mirrored a lot of the, the shit that we see here. And yeah. that, you know, people are really, really, people really feel uncomfortable. They really feel isolated. And they struggle with knowing how much of this, actually, the, the way they phrase it, they said the, the researchers really had a huge problem with classifying this because some part of social struggle is, is normal. Right, mm-hmm. so you you have to have some sort of struggle in order yes. to advance your your causes, and that's across the board for any community. But they say that it's obvious that what people of color are experiencing in the UK goes beyond. But calling for the government to treat that on a large scale mm-hmm. because of the inherent racism within it <laughs> is just like it just doesn't compute. It's almost no. like a paradox. They cause themselves. And because you have people who already see this from a from a, a colored lens, you can't ever really start to get it back to where I, I don't like. It's tough to even say where it should be mm-hmm. because it's just so far beyond for what we're likely to experience. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, and it's like it makes me sad. That's probably why I'm laughing about it um, because it just we seems so choice. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, you're right. We have literally no choice. Well, the other thing that we talked about. Not even just how racism just affects you and you kind of don't know what's mental illness or what's my depression or what's my anxiety. Um, or even sometimes like a schizoid type or what's my, psych- you know, psychosis. Like you yeah. don't necessarily know what's that and, and what's like actually just you dealing with racism in the world. Also, racism affects people getting proper diagnoses and treatment. Yeah. So even if you have insurance, you find a therapist that you think is a good fit and uh, or and maybe they're not black, which is probably you know like I said, proper diagnosis and treatment. You it can help to have somebody who is the same ethnic background as you do. If you go see someone who is possibly white or not black, let's say, there's a really good chance that you can get misdiagnosed. Even I, I was talking to you the other day about um, ADHD diagnosis yeah. in young and black even ADD. girls. In ADD, yes, yeah, well. we were talking about how boys. You reminded me. Uh, black boys are often overdiagnosed with this, but black girls are way underdiagnosed because one of the ways that ADHD presents is as chattiness and being talkative and kind of being a little bit rambunctious in class. A lot of people assume, <laughs> a lot of people assume that that is the way that black girls naturally are sassy, talkative, brassy, you know, always, you know, clicking the tongue and talking and have something smart to say back. But Oftentimes in white girls, white teenagers, then it's seen as a symptom of ADHD. And the white girl may get, you know, kind of passed on to a guidance counselor or a behavioral health professional and get proper treatment, whether it's medication or some sort of learning modifications or an individualized like education plan. Mm -hmm. But black girls probably going to be could get left behind in school is not getting diagnosed, is not getting the individualized, you know, care that she needs to be able to succeed in the classroom and that's just one yeah that's just one i mean the the flip side of that for boys is really interesting too because you have situations where like they tried to like they told my mom i was adhd or Mm -hmm. you know in terms or excuse me add when i was in um i want to say like second grade and she was like no she was like no Mm -hmm. and that's that's a that's a tricky situation because you have a lot of times you have the part where you know there can be parents who don't want to accept that this might be something that's yeah. going on but there are also situations where we're seeing trends where teachers are 
are recommending that students get checked for ADD because of behavioral problems in general that might be happening because they don't know how to manage the classroom. Mm -hmm. And so I think there was another article a while ago that talked about how the rates of, of test scores in terms of how test scores might be going up yes, also correlate directly with the rate of classification for ADD and ADHD in schools as well. Yeah. Because those students, once you're classified as ADD, you are not counted in the test scores in the same manner. <laughs> so, so they, you know, they, they say that some teachers to some degree is arguable how widespread this this, this situation yeah. is. But there's some saying that teachers are recommending their students for individualized education plans and trying to get them diagnosed as ADD just as a way to preserve their efficiency and effectiveness mm. as a teacher. Mm. And if you think about who might bear the brunt of that, yeah, it's children of color. You know, there are also studies that show that it's just perceived that we're more of a behavioral problem than sometimes we truly, truly are. Mm -hmm. Well, that's like that study that just came out a couple, I think it was in the Times maybe a couple of weeks ago, where they talked about, and this was specifically for girls, how girls, not just because of race, but also because of skin tone. Yeah. So like black girls get disciplined more often than white girls and darker skinned black girls get disciplined more often than lighter skin. The levels to that shit yeah. blow my mind. But yeah, they're, um, like you said, just by being darker than peach, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're seen as a disruption in the classroom, possibly completely like regardless of any of your actual behavior. And you know, like you said, that's just one that's just one like behavioral condition. You also have black women tend to get like there are many black women who are inappropriate like they have depression but they're not necessarily getting diagnosed as depressed because a white you know provider might see their presentation doesn't understand them viewing them through such a thick fog of stereotype that they don't know how to find like they they read it instead as anxious so sometimes we can be over diagnosed as anxious and are missing proper depression diagnoses which just blows it scares me so much i can't even get over it um, because a lot of times people get medicated for those things and if you're getting anti-anxiety medication when you yeah. actually antidepressants that's a scary scary mix but there's so many ways but it's like you know like you said we talked about all these different obstacles that get you to the point that they keep you from actually being able to get adequate care and then once you actually get there you may think all your ducks are in a row but again kind of if you have the wrong provider or if you don't have access to the right provider um, then you can just get screwed just because you get an improper diagnosis thanks to racial bias. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that being said, all of that being said, I don't ever want to, I don't say any of this to keep people from seeking care that they may need or care that they may want. No. And I think, you know, I think a good point to kind of to, you know, as, as we start to wrap up, to end on is the rates of us seeking care is trending up. Going up. It's like... I saw what you tried to do there. But, uh, <laughs> I did not bite. But, uh, no. Conan has frowned upon you. Yeah. We, Red Dragon. But um, <laughs> we are starting to finally go and seek out this and, and seek out the, the care that we need for the unique circumstances that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. I do think that things are getting better. Again, it's just, it's always at what rate? You know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the unique challenge of being black in general across the board. It's like <laughs> things things are slowly kind of sort of maybe getting better. Yeah. But 
At what rate? At what rate? <laughs> it's like kind of how if you lay down, sometimes you feel like you could feel the earth move or kind of see the clouds pass. It's slower than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, these things can... Hopefully we continue to have these types of conversations. Yes. This is why, I, you know, I was really excited when you, when you suggested this rather as something that, you know, we mm-hmm. sit down and talk about is because this is, these are the types of conversations we need to have and we need to have yes. um, even beyond just like the context of a podcast that we need to have with each other mm-hmm. and with our families and with our friends and Absolutely. with our, you know. Um, Super Bowl party. Yeah. We well, sit with the fellas. Yeah. chicken wings. Definitely. Talking about Marshawn Lynch, my bad. I'm thankful. Um, yes, his... exactly. <laughs> Yeah, then uh, you know, have these conversations. Bring it up, fireside chats. You know, I just might, I just might do that. At the, uh, I will be there at the divisional championship. Game. I will. Oh, I will be there. I can't wait for you to bring that up. Let's talk about mental health, guys. Halftime. Let's talk about I mental think, health. I think it'll go over well. I think it'll just smooth. It'll be weighty. It'll be weighty. Yeah. Yeah. No, I want to. I mean, I want to come back to end on a happy note. Yes. We are so excited that you're back with us in 2015. We are. You we guys have, wrote it. You wrote it. Yeah. You stuck with us. You really did. <laughs> but uh, we have a lot of really, really good things coming. We're really excited to talk to you about it soon. So uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. For stay Colored tuned. Nerds. For Colored Nerds. And also, um, just to keep this conversation going, if you want to, like, you know, tweet at us, send us an email. Please do. Please do. Because this episode was important to me, and we want to make sure that, um, that y'all got something out of it. So if there's anything you feel like we got wrong or anything that you want to add, I want to actually make sure to signal boost that type of thing. Yeah, what? Go ahead. I mean, go ahead and put a drop in for the hand. Put it. Put, oh yeah. <laughs> like we always forget to do this. Yeah. Like we don't want y'all to find us at all. We just want you to be trapped listening to us in your cars or on the subway. But um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are on Twitter and also Instagram yep. at for colored nerds. That's it. That's just it at for colored nerds. We're also on Tumblr at for colored nerds Tumblr. Com. And if you want to shoot us an email, it's for, for colored nerds at gmail.com. Yeah. So you we see try the trend keep, there? Yeah, exactly. You got to We try to keep it consistent. So, uh, yeah, just let us know if you liked it, what you liked, what you didn't. If you're having trouble finding a therapist, if you need a signal boost for that, we'd be absolutely glad and overjoyed to help you because I don't know, we can find you one, but maybe somebody else can. Yeah. And as always, we didn't we didn't get a chance to really deep dive into some of the articles that we read, but yes. we will have a list. Yeah, because um, we had a lot. There's a really in the good, show notes. There are quite a few really good ones. Yeah, including one that um, we're going to post about how to find a therapist that came from BuzzFeed, I think, maybe yeah. a year or so ago. We'll have all that stuff ready for you guys. And thank you for listening, I guess. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.